wish all the fathers a happy Father's Day. And today, after church, if you haven't already, you can pick up a copy of Anchor for the Soul. It's a gift for you today. They are in the lobby as well as in the mall hallway there on the men's table. Today, we are we're privileged to have our second interim pastor candidate, uh, Dr. Woody Woodward. He is with us today along with his wife, Tracy, and they hail out of Houston, Texas. But uh, Woody and Tracy have pastored churches from New Jersey to California, all the way into Texas, all around Texas. And uh, he is a doctorate, has a doctorate from Gordon uh, uh, Conwell. He is a Longhorn from the University of Texas. We will forgive him for that. But uh, Dr. Woody, it's a delight to have you here today, brother. God bless you. Thank you, Gene. Appreciate it. Yes. Give him a welcome. Thank yes. you. Well, good morning, Central Church, and happy Father's Day. Uh, I would like to honor the woman who helped make me a father, Tracy, my bride of 37 years. And this will be the first Father's Day in 35 years where we haven't had at least one of our children with us. Thank you for that sympathy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's okay because I'm in Tennessee home of my father, born in Memphis, grandfather born in Memphis. The, my Woodward clan goes back 200 years to Carroll County, a little bit north of here. And uh, I would like to honor my father, Dr. Homer Brown Woodward, Jr., with a story. First of all, I honor him for the good grace not to name me the third. Is Homer c- coming back as a name? Um, besides the symptom, I don't think Homer has made it. So uh, my given name is David Michael, but they call me Woody, and they called him Woody. And when Dad moved to Bells, Tennessee at the age of seven, his grandfather was the pastor of First Baptist Church, Bells, Tennessee. And Dad uh, got on his bicycle, started riding around town, met a new friend, and they both rode up to this huge red brick two-story house with white columns up front. And my dad was awestruck. And he asked his new friend, who lives there? And his friend said, well, the town doctor lives here. My dad recounted to me later, in that moment, I became a doctor. (laughs) Dad knew that his way out of the poverty of of the parsonage was through education. He studied hard, went to Union University, graduated from Baylor College of Medicine, studied surgery under Dr. Michael DeBakey, And he instilled in me a love for learning and the value of hard work. So I rise up today and call my dad blessed today. He died in 2003. But I realize that some of you, your memories about your father are ambivalent. Perhaps you never knew your father. He divorced your mother when you were very young. Maybe your dad was harsh or even abusive. Uh, Maybe your dad was, was distant, disengaged. So I know that for you, it's hard for you to apply that fifth commandment found in Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land the Lord gives you. Father's Day for some of you is not a happy day. But this morning, I want to make it so. I want to open this scripture to you by first explaining how we will honor fathers. How do we express our honor toward dad? And then secondly, 
why we should honor our fathers. First of all, how do we honor our fathers? We're going to look at how we honor fathers when our fathers are very young, and we are young, living under their household. And then when our fathers are at the prime of life, and we are young adults, what does it mean then to honor fathers? And then finally, how do we honor fathers when they are aged, when they are in the sunset years? And then I want us to turn and look at why we should honor fathers in this way. Somehow the the promise seems hollow, that your days may be prolonged, yet we all know good, obedient children who died young. And some of us know moral reprobates, rebels against their parents who lived in their 90s. So the promise doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem true to life. Is there a promise in there for me? Why should we honor fathers? Let me begin by explaining to you what the word honor means. Literally, it is a heavy word. It means heavy. It refers in the noun form to the heavy organ in the body, your liver. But by extension, it came to mean weightiness, uh, a man of wealth, of substance, of seriousness, of influence. And the word is also translated in many of our English translations, glory. The glory of God is His heavy weight of majesty. So to honor someone means to respect them. It means to attach great value to them. It means to give them the honor and glory they deserve. So how do we do this? How do we honor fathers? First of all, when our fathers are young and we are children. To honor fathers when they are young means to obey them. Paul wrote in Colossians 3.20, children, obey your parents in all things. That means when you ask your dad, dad, can I have a motorcycle? Dad says, no. Well, how about if I pay the gas and insurance? No. How about when I'm 18? No. Well, how about when I go to college? Son, have you ever heard the golden rule? The one who makes the gold makes the rules? As long as you're under your father's house and he's paying the bills, you obey him in everything. Well, what about marriage? Well, let me tell you, half the world lives a, a certain way where the parents choose the children, and that really appeals to me. My children are 35, 33, and 31. One is about to get married. But let me say this. Even though that works well in certain cultures, I do not want to choose my children's spouses. But I do want to reserve the right to a veto. You know, when I do counseling with uh, engaged couples, I will ask them, what do your parents say about this wedding? Because the people who love you most know you best. What do your parents say? One of the ways we honor our parents is by listening to their wisdom. You see, marriage is an institution, and love is blind. Therefore, marriage is an institution for the blind. You can't see. You need the perspective of your father and your mother. So to honor your father when he is young means to obey him in all things. What about when your dad gets a little bit older, when he's in the prime of life? He's at the pinnacle of his powers. To honor father when he is in his prime means to approach him with the same respect and reverence with which you approach God. 
You realize the same word used of honoring father is used of honoring God? There's another word that's used of both fathers and God in Leviticus 19.3. It's the word fear. Children, reverence your parents. See, fear is a reverential awe. So to honor your parents when they're in the prime of life, you're a young adult, you're on your own, you still approach them with the deepest respect that you reserve for God Himself. But you're saying, but preacher, you don't know my dad. He wasn't even there. I never knew him. How can I thank him? How can I respect him? He gave you life, didn't he? If for no other reason you can respect his memory, you can thank him for giving you life. God chose that father for you. God took his genetic compliment to make you fearfully and wonderfully. But you say, well, my dad was around, but he was imperfect in a lot of ways. But at least he put a a roof over your, your head. He filled your belly with food. And if you were to lose your job, your wife might say, you what? But dad will say, son, if you need some money, just let me know. He's often there for you, despite his flaws. So how then do you honor fathers? How do you respect them and reverence them? Let me suggest, first of all, you ask his advice on a regular basis. Say, dad, what can you tell me about car maintenance? Uh, What can you tell me about finances? Ask him about child raising. After all, he raised you. Probably made a lot of mistakes doing it, so he's learned by now. I used to ask my dad his advice about church politics. He grew up in the parsonage. I had been to seminary. I had experience as a pastor, but he had a perspective. Growing up in a pastor's home, and I honored him by asking his opinion. Another way to honor dads at that stage in their life is to praise them in front of your children. Because guess what? When you are aged, then your children, you hope, will praise you and thank you in the presence of their children. Yet another way that we show respect and and reverence for our Father is by thanking Him personally, by rising up before the gray-headed and honoring Him. This does not exclude the possibility that you might need to have a heart-to-heart talk with Dad from time to time. In 1989, I was a grown man of 37 years of age. I said, Dad, I want to have a sit-down lunch with you. I want to meet face-to-face. And when I finished my hamburger, I said, Dad, I love you. I appreciate you. I appreciate all you've done for me, the life you provided for me. But I want to tell you, there's some things that I've been missing. And I want you to know about it. I, I know you love me, but I didn't hear you say, son, I love you enough. And I know you're proud of me, but I didn't hear you say it enough. And I want to hear that from you, Dad. I really need that from you because I love you and I respect you. And I'm also saying this because my brother Steve, my sisters Janet and Sue need to hear that as well. It was a turning point in our relationship. I, uh, I grew up in a moment because of that moment, but I did it with respect. I did it with reverence. And that's what it means to honor our fathers when they are in their prime of life. It means to approach them with the same reverence and respect with which you approach God. How about when fathers are older, when they are in the sunset years? To honor your father when he is aged means to provide for him financially. That was expected in the Jewish culture. 
Oftentimes, you would bring your parents to live in the same house as you, to care for them, to feed them, to minister to their health needs. Jesus made that clear also in Mark 7 and Matthew, 5, uh, Matthew 15, that to honor your parents means to provide for them. He was contesting with the Pharisees, and the Pharisees had condemned Jesus' disciples for not washing their hands ceremoniously before they ate their lunch. And Jesus said, well, what about the commandment, honor your father and your, your mother? You ignore that commandment because of a man-made human tradition called Corban, which means dedicated or given or offering. They could say to their dad, dad, I'd love to help you, but you know, this piece of land that generates all this income for me, I've given it to God for the temple. But then they could later, if you didn't have a need or if you died as the father, they could take it out of hock, so to speak, and they were not obligated to provide for your needs. And Jesus said, you violate the command to honor your father and your mother. The Apostle Paul, likewise, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, he's talking about caring for widows who are widows indeed. And a widow indeed is one who has no children, no grandchildren, no nieces, no nephews, no family to care for them. And if that was the case, if you were a widow indeed, the church was supposed to take care of you. And then he says in chapter 5, verse 8, he says, the one who does not provide for his own, for those of his own household, has denied the faith. He is worse than an unbeliever. Now think about this. Let this sink in. If you do not provide for your aged parents, you've denied the faith. You've denied the content of what we believe. And you are worse than an unbeliever. So to care for your parents when they are aged means to provide for them financially. Let me suggest you do this. If you're married with your spouse, sit down and discuss the sacrifices you have to make in order to provide for your parents. That might mean foregoing buying that boat, selling your second home, dipping into the education savings account for your children, dipping into your own retirement account. I submit to you it is more important to meet the needs of your parents than to meet your own needs. And then you have to sit down with your spouse and rank order your parents. If they have to come in, in, in to live with you, you need to anticipate how difficult it might be. So you think together, you say, well, number one, oh, it would be a delight to have your mother move in with us. She's a godly woman. She loves the grandchildren. Such a cheerful spirit. I'd love to have her live with us. Number two, that'd, they'd be good. That would be, would be some challenges. Number three, oh, that would be kind of tough. But number four, please, God, no. <laughs> so you rank order your parents, and you think about what would have to happen to move them in. It might mean that you move your bedroom upstairs and they keep the master down because of their weak knees. And then what you need to do is to tell your parents that you've made this commitment. Tracy and I did that about 30 years ago. We, we, we had a face-to-face -face with both sets of parents, and we said, Mom, Dad, I want you to know we are committed to you for the rest of your life. We'll take care from you. If need be, you can live in our house. We will do everything in our power from having you go into a nursing home. Unless it's physically impossible for us, we will take care of you. Now, it was actually ridiculous 
that we told these things to our parents. My dad was a medical doctor. Her dad was a, a farmer who owned several hundred, land, uh, several hundred acres of wealthy Iowa farmland. But it touched them. It moved them. And on more than one occasion, my mother has reminded me of our promise. And the amazing thing is, my mother's not very emotional, but she recounts our promise with tears in her eyes. She's so grateful. I mean, this is what it means to honor your father. It means to take care of him. There's a side benefit to this. Your children see that you've made this commitment, and they learn that's what they are supposed to do. If Social Security implodes, if Medicare falls apart, I've got the best retirement plan and health care plan available. It's the JWT plan, the Jessica, Weston, and Taylor plan. My children will take care of me. So what does it mean? How do we honor our Father? It means to obey them. It means to respect them. It means to provide for them financially. Now I want us to turn to the reason why we should do that. What does the Scripture say? that your days may be prolonged in the land the Lord gives you. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't grab us. I can explain it two ways. First of all, this is a national promise given to Israel. God was saying to Israel, if you have strong families, you'll have a strong nation. See, bad children make bad citizens. And we've seen this in the Chinese culture for for 3,500 years. They've honored fathers and grandparents and even their ancestors. It's practically their religion. The Roman culture, likewise, for a thousand years, has respected paternal authority. And that's why they lasted so long. But do you realize that in America, we are in jeopardy. Our families are fragmenting. One of the greatest crises in American society is fatherlessness. It will lead to the dissolution of our country. So that's the first sense in in which I believe this promise holds true, that if we have strong families, we'll have a strong culture. But I cannot remove the personal aspect of the promise from this fifth commandment because the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, when he cites the command to honor father and mother, he also says this is the first command with a promise. So the promise is still valid today. He wasn't speaking to the Jewish people. He was writing to a group of Jews and Gentiles. He was saying this promise applies to the church age, to today. In what sense does it? Because we know of of exceptions, of good kids who do die young, and of reprobates who live a long lifestyle. What you have to understand is a lot of God's promises are general but not universal. For example, in the Proverbs, it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. But you know families where there were four kids all raised in the same godly home, went to the same church, VBS, heard the family devotions around the table, and three of them turned out great serving the Lord. But there was this black sheep. What happened? Did the proverb fail? No, because it's the nature of Many proverbs and promises that they are generally true, proverbially true, but not universally true. So you will find exceptions. But the reason this promise works, that in general you will experience a long and good life, 
is first of all because God said it. God promised. You'll honor your father and your mother. Your days will be prolonged. But there's another reason. It's just the nature of fatherly advice, kind of the opposite of what we saw in the video bumper. Because fathers tend to, to give advice to their children that goes something like this. Stay away from worthless people who engage in dope smoking, binge drinking, casual sex, and petty crimes. If you don't do that, you'll live a life that is solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. But if you marry a, a good Christian woman, work hard, study hard, save your money, you'll be blessed, and you'll live a, a long life. So in that sense, that, the promise rings true because that's the kind of advice that fathers give us. Listen to your father. Honor your father. Why? So you, you can enjoy a long and good life. The problem with the fifth command is none of us have kept it completely. We've all dishonored parents. We've talked back to them. We've disobeyed them. We've disrespected them. Some of us have not provided for them financially. Every one of us is an imperfect child, except for Jesus. Jesus was the perfect child. It says in Luke 2.51 that he followed his parents down to Nazareth and was obedient to them. Jesus was obedient from the manger to the cross. And as he hung on the cross, he looked down and he saw his mother standing at the foot of the cross next to his beloved disciple John. And he said to her, as John records it in his gospel, chapter 19, verse 26 and 27, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then turning to John, he said, Behold your mother. See, in Jesus' death agonies, he was honoring his mother by providing for her financially. Jesus Christ is the perfect Savior because he's the perfect son. He reverses the curse that hangs over our head for breaking the law. You understand, friends, that you don't break God's laws. God's laws break you. All of us have failed. None of us have perfectly obeyed our parents. Jesus obeyed perfectly and always, and He reverses that curse on us. So next time you have a conversation with your child and you say, son, you didn't pick up your room. We told you to keep your room clean. It looks like a tornado has come in through this place. You always disobey us. How can God accept you since you're such a disobedient son? Well, if the son has been paying attention in Sunday school, he knows the answer to every question is Jesus. The reason God accepts me is because of Jesus. You know, that's the answer to every Sunday school question, Jesus. <laughs> and he's right. It's because of Jesus that we have eternal life as a gift. We can't earn it. We can never be good enough. We can never honor our parents enough, provide for them enough to gain entrance into heaven. We are saved by faith and not of works. See, Jesus Christ offers eternal life freely. The Bible says, Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It doesn't say, Whosoever behaveth in him shall not perish, 
but have everlasting life. It's a promise. And when you become convinced, when you are persuaded that Jesus offers eternal life as a gift, then you become part of God's forever family. Can't earn it. Can't do enough good works or religious deeds. It just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. And he will do that. Honor your father. How? Obey him. Respect him. Provide for him. Why should you do that? You should do that. It's because when you honor your father, the heavenly father will honor you with a good and long life. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you are the perfect son. Consequently, you are the perfect savior. And if there is anyone here within the sound of my voice who is who has not yet trusted you for eternal life or is unsure, I pray that they would make sure. Friends, we have counselors at the front to talk to you. You can talk to the person who brought you, who loves you, who cares for you to help you understand how to enjoy the full and free forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Lord, for the rest of us who know you already, we we just ask for help as we attempt to honor fathers, not just today, but every day. Give us that grace, Lord, to, to honor them as we would honor you. Lord, strengthen families in Central Church and throughout Memphis because there is such a crying need. And we would pray that you would work a miracle in our community. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.